Welcome to the Mark Cameron Show. We find out why people do what they do, how they do it, and what the future of their work is. My guest today is actor Gianni Capaldi. He's a Scots-born actor living in Las Vegas. I first encountered Gianni arriving home one evening from a recording session where he and his crew were shooting a movie outside my front door in South Queensbury. That movie is called It's Not Over and it's due out late this year. It features the Highlander himself, Christopher Lambert. He is an ambassador for the Celtic Foundation and he is one of the busiest actors in Hollywood. He starred in movies with, here we go, Bruce Willis, Mickey Rourke, Danny Glover, Kevin Dillon, Frank Grillo, John Cusack, Michael Jai White, Lindsay Lohan, Ron Perlman, Vinnie Jones, Dolph Lundgren, Ty Diggs, and he even showed up with Martin Compton in an episode of Still Game. His latest movie, A Day to Die, featuring Kevin Dillon, Frank Grillo, and Bruce Willis, is available now on all streaming platforms and is due to hit Netflix this summer. I'm really grateful to Gianni who joined me from Las Vegas. Gianni was getting set to travel to Winnipeg to shoot a movie, and so you may hear the Benny Fly COVID company on hold in the background. I'm inspired by the man's work ethic, by his faith, and his love for family. Fantastic. So, uh, here with yourself, Gianni, and um, this is the first time that, that we've met, although I've seen you briefly, I was saying, just outside my house here in Queensbury when uh, you were over shooting uh, a film on our, our hallowed doorsteps and uh, looking forward to all that coming out. So be brilliant tracking your work there. Love what you're doing with, with Celtic, love what you're doing with film. And uh, I really appreciate you chatting to us from Vegas now. How's it going? Yeah, there? it's fine. It's, um, I was in Scotland for quite a bit. I was there since uh, November. So I've been there, been home for a few months and um, so it was good to get back to my house because when you don't stay in your house, it's, it doesn't feel quite right. But uh, back in my house now, so it's really good. And um, but you know, I, I, I'm not here for long. I'm flying up to Winnipeg tomorrow morning. So yeah. So uh, so I so I've only been here. I think I got here maybe a week ago. I think it's a week today. But right, um, I'll get summoned to Winnipeg. So yeah. So you're moving about and um, tell uh, you know interested how. You, you came to do what you do and uh, so obviously Scott living in the States now what was what was early life like for you? Um, I mean I went to school in Hamilton uh, and uh, went to a school called Hamilton well, St Mary's in Hamilton College and then um, I, you know I loved football so I was always into football but um, sadly uh, the career didn't materialise uh, I, I, I was with the you know, a lot of youth teams and then I ended up with Muddle. Uh, so I was with Muddle for a while, but I think it was Muddle about three or four years. But, but um, I had a bad injury. It fell through a glass roof. Long story, that's another story. <laughs> and I really got my leg in. Right. And, um, and that was that. So then, you know, I did one thing after another and then I kind of always wanted to, but I didn't feel Scotland was a place to explore it. And um, I... Uh, I thought, well, you either move to London or LA, and you know, I said, if you're going to move, you may, you may as well move to Sunshine. Yeah. So I said, I'll go try it out. And I went, I came over for three months initially, and honestly, I didn't want to go back. It was wow. LA was just a different type of life. Everybody was, you know, everything was just it's a different life. It's just it's not just about the weather; it's about mentality. Yeah. You know, everybody's friendly. Everybody's on a pursuing a dream. Yeah. So you know, when you have many people pursuing dreams there's a lot of positivity and that whole you know negative aspect sometimes that we have back home where hmm. oh you'll never manage that or you'll never aye. Aye, right we'll see you know things like that but don't get all, above your post you know exactly like but it's hard you know because you're away from your family and I'm very close to my family so that was the one downfall you know I always wished I could just lift my family and bring them to LA and just leave them in LA and and would be great, life yeah. would be perfect, but never the case, never to be. Absolutely. So I'd always have to go back and forth all the time, and then, uh, you know, but it's a good, I don't know, 18, 19 years, probably 18 years ago. Wow. So they're getting into that. Because the LA thing is interesting as a contrast to Scotland. I've, I've been there a few times, feel a sort of strange spiritual home there, and that maybe Scotland is 
is like vast, loads of space, and there is a lovely local sense of it. Um, but actually, sometimes folks, when there is a bit of ambition, there is a bit of drive, it can be easy to have that tall poppy syndrome or tall thistle yeah. where people cut you down if you pop your head above too uh, high. It's not even that. It's listen. I love Scotland, and yeah. you know, I, I've just spent months and months and months there. And you know, my wife and two kids are still there right now. So, um, I just uh, Scotland's got a lot of beauties, but I think when it's your my, like my career, there's in Scotland there's there's very little. Now, granted, yeah. the last couple of years there's been more work, but you know, my base, my foundation is. I've worked with um, the American casting directors, and it's not that I don't know the British casting directors, but sometimes there's a wee bit, there's a wee bit of um, a divide, right? Yeah. Or, like you know, so it's not snobbery or anything like that, but it's just a bit of a divide, and it's uh -huh. it's like not like you're starting off because you know you like I've worked with Morgan Freeman, Bruce Willis, you know, lots of greats, so it's. But it's a case of like you're starting off getting to know, like just meeting you. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Yeah. This is what I can do. So this is the kind of you know this is what to expect from me kind of thing. Yeah. So then you're kind of putting your foot in a new pond. So, um, but I do feel that you know my base is obviously America. So yeah, you know what when I come here, I'm I'm always I always feel like you know if I don't do five or six jobs a year, it's a it, you know it's not an average year for me. So yeah. yeah. You know, so what, what gave you the the like courage to go for it and you know just get after it for three months and then was 18, 19 years? Was that um, was there? Or? Yeah, I mean, look, I miss my family dearly. You know, I went there not knowing anyone. And I just felt that I was meant to be there, you know. It was it was amazing. You live once. And Scotland's great, but I would say the same with somebody in LA. Like yeah. don't like just because it's great here. Go try something new, and if they went to Scotland, they would they would come back. Go, oh, Scotland's amazing! And yeah, yeah. they do this, and we're at the pub, and we're just hanging out, and you know, yeah, yeah, you know, it's soccer, you know. <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, every well, the grass is always greener, but right. it has its, you know. And then we moved to Vegas after I met my wife and um, I had kids. We moved to Vegas because. Um, my friend, um, who's also a Scottish actor, he was in LA, and um, he met a girl we were out one night, and uh, and he married her, and then he's like, he's like, and she was originally from Vegas, and he says, oh, I think about moving to Vegas. Do you want to move to Vegas? And I'm like, why? And he's like, well, houses are like a quarter of the price in Vegas, and he's from Vegas, you know. So he dragged me out to Vegas. We, we went out, we went to look at houses, and, and now it's his fault that I'm living in Vegas. <laughs> well, but, Does it remind yeah. you of uh, of Glasgow? No, it's not Glass Vegas. <laughs> but no, it's listen, Vegas is great. I mean, we went out the other night and you know, we, you know, you didn't strip and strips at your doorstep if you want. Aye. Aye. Whether it's a boxing fight or whether it's Rod Stewart or you know, yeah. and see Rod Stewart we well ago and like that's our playground, but we don't actually yeah. live on the strip, you know. Yeah. We live, Family and I, we live about 25 minutes away, so, you know, and I've got lots of friends kicking about down here and that yeah. as well, so a few Scottish expats. Yeah. Um, and, uh, aye, and it's just good to know that, you know, people have to travel across the world. Yeah. Because yeah, it is fun, the strip is fun, but, you know, it's in your face, so much in your face, but you wouldn't do that all the time. Aye. You know? <laughs> One of so, the things that's funny I miss about LA is actually not having my church, because I did have a great church out there called Oasis. Oh, wow, okay. Nobody ever heard of that church, but fantastic church, yeah. a Christian church, and it's very Hillsong-based, like you were talking about, yeah. the music. Um, but I haven't, I, I feel like we've always been travelling all the time, so probably that's on us. And having two young good. kids, a kid now is two and five, so it was always difficult, because I'm just born, and one, yeah. and then with the pandemic, so we've not really, we've you know we've not really experienced a church. Thank you. We haven't found a church in Scotland either. There's, there's been a couple in we went to in Glasgow a couple of yeah. times. And it's, one of them, you know. what, what's, what was the church in Glasgow you were? Uh, it was an Australian pastor. Uh, I can't remember his name, but it was just 
Do you know what? No. And is it C7, Jason Cass? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just can't get around that Australian accent. I just, <laughs> I couldn't get into it. Hey, mate, do you know that God loves you tonight? You're an awesome man, Gianni. Yeah. You're a good man, that kind of thing. Yeah. You're really nice about that. There was just something about it, and I just couldn't get into it. And it's, it's such a silly thing. I couldn't get into it. Um, so so it, what role then does, um, you know, you, you hit the hit the states. You're doing the acting. Like, what what was it like having faith emerge as part of that? And was was faith always there? No, it wasn't really. I always had a spiritual kind of background. I always felt so many things. Like I'm not going to because like no, things I've not like. It's just I've always had a spiritual background. Yeah, and I've always felt things in life. I don't know. I'm very uh, perceptive to feelings and and stuff like that. And uh, it was actually, there was a couple of actors, that, like, a couple that would get married and, and they used to go to a church and they laughed, why don't you come out of church? And it was actually, her name is, uh, it was Adam Campbell, who was an English actor, and Gemma Mays. Right. Gemma was a redhead in Glee. Oh, so they looked at to me, you know, why don't you come to her church? And, you know, and, uh, and I'm like, eh, I don't know, like, I don't know. I'm out Saturday night, you know, and they're like, oh, just come, just come. And I went and it was great, you know, and it was a great bunch of folk and, you know, and uh, it was really good. It was it was different, you know, people, churches back home, you know, if you, it's like you get the Blue Rins Brigade and then <laughs> as you're approaching, you know, near a death, you closer to God. And, but it, it was all young. I think the average age was like, you know, 25, 35. Uh-huh. Around about that, was the average age, and I was like, "This is mental. This is like, this is crazy." And you know, everybody was really into it, and they were, it was just a real positive vibe because LA is such a positive vibe that you only get a positive vibe from church and God's word. So I went from their church, and I ended up going to uh, Oasis. I went to Oasis, and you know. It was Oasis was 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 brilliant, and I found my little niche. Wow. Um, and the, you know, but they had everybody. Joel Osteen come, everybody yeah. would come. You know, it wasn't uh, Philip Wagner was as a pastor there, yeah, and he, I think he's handed the mantle down now. Aye, okay. But, wow. but um, it, it was really good. It was it was different, and it was yeah. very you know. And the word was, it wasn't just you know. I grew up as a Catholic, so. It was all very, um, you know, you're repeating repetition all the time. Yeah. Whereas he would just talk to us like you and I talking right now. And Jesus did this and then did that. And it was a part of that. So, you know, God really wants this for you. And then it was just like two guys in the pub having a conversation. Aye. Aye. Jesus probably would have done it. eh? Honestly, you know, and people have this perception about, oh, God, or you go to your church and kneel and stand up, kneel and stand up, or whatever, and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I, I feel that that's not necessary. And I'm not saying God's not there, but it's just not necessary. You know, yeah. God's all about love, and and, and and that's the, you know, and that was a beautiful thing. comes out of it, yeah. That's the one thing I miss the most about LA is actually, is the church wow. I left behind, and, wow. you know, all of the bunch of friends, but, yeah, and and how does like you know in in the acting world in the movie business, what's it like you know faith and practice there? How does it impact like the conversations you have, the kinds of interactions around it? Yeah, I mean, listen, I've had run-ins with Scientologists. I've had you know very friendly with the Presleys. Um, <laughs> wow, you know, and I remember they were trying to get me to some retreat in Malibu. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not going, you know, no, that's not me. And then I remember Ryan Cabrera was dating um, Lisa Marie's daughter, Riley, and he's like, Gianni, we, we got to go, we got to go sweat this out. And I'm like, no, mate, you know, no, you're coming, you know. And then I remember I stayed with the Presley's down in uh, Richmond in London, they rented this big, massive, like, old church house thing. And I stayed there and you know, you'd go out with them and that, and it was always a thing, you know, like, yeah, yeah. but no, and then obviously Hollywood's very Jewish, so you've got to be careful, 
you know, look what happened to Jim Caviezel. He did Passion of Christ and never worked again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Mel Gibson was kind of like, he's he's trying to make a comeback, but, you know, he yeah. had these issues. But um, I, I, you got to be careful. But I found, I've actually, I've got moments like, I would, about 10 years ago, I did a movie with Michael Clark Duncan, big black guy from uh, Mile. Green Mile, wow. And he said, he's like, uh, you, want, you want to pray with me? And I was like, I sure. You know, and I remember just before the scene and he started praying and this big, massive guy, wow. deep voice, and he's praying and he's, you know, Lord. And, you know, and he wasn't well. And, um, and it's like one of those moments that, you know, you never really experience, wow. you know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and you tend to, it's weird, like, Christians will find Christians, you know, and I find, I feel that, uh, I've worked with a guy called Wes Miller, who's a director, three times now. And the last movie we did was a movie called A Day to Die, yeah. uh, which comes out March 4th, March 4th. Here, yeah. and then in the UK on Netflix in June. Great. Great. And, um, you know, he's a Christian, we worked three times, and we connected, wow. you know, and, you know, the, the three other movies, the, the two other movies apart from that, we did, you know, he's he's all, River Runs Red, with John Cusack, Luke Hemsworth, and then we went to uh, Hell on a Border, which I think is on Sky Cinema every now and then, um, with Frank Grillo and Ron Perlman. And it's just, you just have that connection and you know, like, you know, he'll call, you know, he's the kind of guy who'll call me all the time. And it's, it's funny because I'm just going up, the movie I'm going up tomorrow morning to fly up to Winnipeg for him. I've never met the guy and I've only spoke to him twice on the phone, the director. Um, and his name's Kevin Grevue. He, created the movies Underworld. Oh, aye. Yeah. The Kate Beckinsale one. So he created them. He wrote the first one and his story by and all that stuff. And I think he wrote himself in the, in the shows as well. But he's directing his first feature and it's with Frank Grillo. And, it, you know, so, but the two conversations we had, it kind of came out, you know, like, oh, yeah. which is weird. You know, because you're, you're talking about character breakdown, you're talking about how his vision is and what you're going to bring to the table and yeah. these are the conversations you have. But that found, reared its head and it, you know, wow. found its way up through those conversations. Wow. So, you know, I've never met the guy, but I've heard what, you know, I spoke to producers, I was like, oh yeah, I spoke to the director. I'm like, yeah, 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 what do you think of this? He's great. He's talking about, you know, <laughs> talking about character and, you know, talking about, you know, religion and that. And he's like, yeah, he's so, you know, he's very spiritual and then he's very Christian. I'm like, oh, cool. You know? But so I, I think sometimes it wears its head and I think it's important because with this woke, thing, I'm absolutely against woke. Right. I, and everybody's scared yeah. to speak what they're, they're thinking. Yeah. And it can ruin people's careers and, you know, people can get blacklisted in Hollywood, you know, so yeah. everybody is kind of scared to talk up, I mean, you know, hopefully nobody ever listens to this podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, no, but it's true. Like, um, yeah. It's it's one of these things that's just going too far, I believe. You know, and and everybody's kind of scared. And you know, you you you've got men putting uh, swimming trunks on and saying they're a girl. And Leah Thomas, for instance. You know, I've got two young girls. Maybe yeah. any two of my girls, I wouldn't think so harsh about it. But you know, they're she's annihilating the field. Yeah, getting records, doing everything, and it's not fair because other girls can't compete. Yeah, and he's clearly a man. I mean, he's broader than me, right? He looks like a man. He is a man. And you know, uh, what's her name? Roland. You know, the Harry Potter novelist. Yeah, uh, she get into what? Yeah, she got into a lot of trouble because she said, look, at semantics. It's just, but I get over words. I'm looking at you. You look like a man, but it doesn't mean you can't feel like a woman. And if you feel like a woman, then that's up to you. But to me, you're you're a man. Yeah. And you can't get angry at me for saying, for, for saying, well, there's a man. There's a, and this is a laptop. This is a pen. You can't get angry at me for saying, oh, sorry, it's not a pen. It's a bicycle. Oh, I didn't realize you were a bicycle. You look like a pen. You know, yeah. that's the kind of thing. So it's just words. People are really arguing over words. 
And that's the whole problem. They're getting really offended over the smallest thing in life these days. You know? And to think that's... Um, to think the role <coughs> faith might play has... Uh, has lost an opportunity here because there's an area where I wonder if for a long time faith was historically it was very oppressive of different people's identities and thoughts and so you know then there's this point where the kickback is is a strong sense of people identifying and it's like there was a, after a while where it was don't really mention your faith it wasn't cool it wasn't all right you know you'd be called a bible bash you'd be called this that and the next thing there's been an interesting swing which is like well okay if we're if we are actually in this culture where all things are equal like anything you can imagine there's an interesting part which says well faith then gets to come back into play as a protected right and something that's like hey that's cool if that's your faith this is mine and then you get a chance to speak from it and christianity is unique because amidst this cancel culture for me personally it it feels like actually it's the it's one culture that could help do restoration it can do forgiveness it can do um you know public restoration of people because that's the bit that's scary is like well, where do these people go when they're cancelled like just off twitter but there is some really powerful about christianity which is like this is meant to restore people's perspective on each other and yeah i mean other. look there's a there's a huge divide in america and Christianity is strong in America and there's no one in America that says, oh, I'm not a Christian. Mm. There's no one. I don't know anyone because they're very proud of their Christian forefathers. Mm -hmm. You know, now you get, obviously you get um, Republicans and then you get the liberals. And the liberals are the ones that obviously are not as Bible orientated. And it's, you know, I'll argue with anyone in their face, you know, whether they're pushing for you know, LGBTQ, FCA, whatever. You know, yeah. they keep adding letters to these things. You can't even keep up. It's, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are, you know, bisexual, lesbian, gay, and, you know, I don't tell them, oh, that's wrong or this or that, because mm -hmm. it's not for me. I don't judge, and that's, and I accept what they, you know, what, what they choose, and, and I respect what they choose, and, you know, I'm cool with it and all that. But I feel there's a huge movement right now that is, it's like a, a retribution against the majority, and it's and it's it's very unfortunate because these are not the the, the friends I know, the people I know, the news. Um, they are not the ones that are causing the bother. They've never yeah. caused the bother. They've always been there. They've never caused bother. I feel it's this new kind of generation, and I mean. It's like a restitution, and I, you know, it was like in America there was a symbol of these white people on their knees kissing black people's feet to show humbleness yeah. and apologies. And like, you know, get the up. That's that's not that's not helping. Right? How is that helping? That doesn't help. You know, so and, a lot of the nuance has been lost of like. It has. We talk about these things even without it I mean, being explosive. It makes it such an issue. It's like an elephant in the room. And that's the problem now. It becomes an elephant in the room rather than, mm -hmm. you know, let's let's deal with this. Equality. Yeah. Now we don't have equality. And I, and I know inferior races didn't have equality. And it was very important for them to gain equality. But what happens is if you swing the pendulum too much, you build up the resentment. You know, there's a thing in, in America uh, for an actor. We, we have a really strong union. Our union's strong in America as an actor. And if you, if let's say myself and another actor were up for a role and they were transgender or they were black or they were whatever, and I'm the better choice, fit the role, a better performance, better choice. If you hire this guy or this girl, you will get uh, you'll get cash for it and they'll right. give you money for it. Wow. I don't understand how that's fair. Okay. That's not equality. You know, and then I heard somebody's debate about equality, even with in jobs, with female jobs. Why don't we have higher positions? I don't hear females complaining about um, construction workers were 95% of men 
fill those roles? Is it, you know, 95% of men fill roles in mining to probably 100, you know, 98%. We never had complaints about those jobs, the menial jobs, the gritty jobs, the jobs that involve sweat, dust, you know, all that. There was never a complaint about that. And that's the problem, again, with equality. It's not equality. It's saying, oh, I would like to do that. I want a chance of doing that. But you haven't done the bottom bit first to to get to that. Right. So there's that challenge I of, um, I suppose, Peterson, Jordan Peterson carves it up as like, well, you've got a quality of opportunity and you've got a quality of outcome. And every, you know, of course, you're like a quality of opportunity for everyone. Like that's that's the thing we're after, right? It's like, do what you want. Everyone genuinely gets to do what they want without oppression, without harm. But then, if it's a push towards everyone's role ends up a bit the same, then then you're onto a bandwagon, which is really hard to know how do you stop that? How do you make yeah. sense of if you're the better fit for the part, but it needs to to tick a box? How do we do those? This person for a job should do the job. And that's it, you know, and, and that's the way I see things. Yeah. I, I felt there was a lot of, especially in America, because in America, you know, the, you know, I was all about, um, you know, Black Lives Matter. I was very strong for that. I did feel that they deserved a helping hand to get to equality. And, um, you know, I supported that because for me, you know, yeah. once children are equal and that's just how it is. Yeah. You know, there is no oh you're not white so you should be so you know yeah how how do you find folks maybe within the industry navigating these really difficult public conversations as as public performers as actors because in one sense people are like i'm, I'm not necessarily watching a movie for a political yeah piece but somehow whatever oh, someone thinks about these areas gets loaded on you how do you navigate you, you you switch off. You've got to switch off. Right. And the public have got to open their mouths and speak. You know, there was a movie called Mary Queen of Scots. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember Mary Queen of Scots. Aye. Margot Robbie. Uh, stupid. The director was in front of me. She's an idiot. She's an absolute idiot. And the producers are idiots. They're absolute idiots. How possible we had clans, clanmen, Scottish clanmen who were black, Explain that to me. Right. We had Gemma Chan. Marco Polo hadn't even been to China yet. And Gemma Chan was, and then the, there was an end boy from England who was black. Like, we're talking about historical pieces. We had Lord Bodle, who was played by a friend of mine. Like, if you watch the movie, it's it's just wrong. It's For me, it's just, it's like turning, saying, oh, we're making, uh, you may as well say we're making a, a movie about World War II and Hitler's a woman. What's the difference? Hitler's a Chinese just woman. Try that one too, of course. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Right. Hitler's a Chinese ah, yeah. woman. Right. It, it doesn't is... make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. There's the cancel culture. Like, it, it, it's going too far. Like, like pulling down statues of uh, Christopher Columbus in America. Now, I get it. You want to pull down statues of slave traders? Fine. No problem. You know, even though they may be your father founding fathers of that city or their money helped or their trade helped build that city, whatever. Maybe it's offensive to people, I don't know, pull it down, whatever, but Christopher Columbus, just because he came with the Spaniards, you know, they found it, they funded their thing and then the Spaniards went on to kill some of the locals and some of the natives. It wasn't Christopher Columbus, he was a he was an explorer. Mm-hmm. And he pulled down his statue. Like, he didn't exist, didn't exist. Some people say that the the Jewish Holocaust didn't exist. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't even believe it. Really? Because it happened. Yeah. You know? So, and this is the thing. This is the argument I have with people. People have selective choice, and, and that's wrong. You know, like, people say to me, I don't know, Jesus maybe being a magician, or, you know, like, he could have been like... And I'm like, I don't know if he was really... How much scripture do we really have of Jesus? Mm. And I'm thinking, do you think that Alexander the Great was here? Yeah. Well, he was way before him. Yeah. So how is it possibly you can think some guy, but then this guy, no. I said even people that didn't like him wrote about him. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. granted, there's no internet back then and there's no photographs and all this kind of stuff. But didn't have a podcast, Jesus. Another podcast. Aye. That would be a really good podcast. That'd be a great one. 
Right. right. Wow. So yeah, this is like big for you guys then. And, and um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Day to day then you're, you're doing the work. What, what is it that, you know, why, why do you do what you do? What motivates you with uh, where um, you are right now? Well, I mean, acting is very, it's creative and you, it's, you know, it's art because you're creating a, a character and that character starts from from a small mustard seed and you create it into a full person. Yeah. You know, what are their fears? What are their favourite colours? You know, what do they really enjoy doing? Yeah. How, what's your backstory? These are all things that, you know, you, you get script and you read it. Those things are not in the script. Mm -hmm. What's your backstory? Mm -hmm. You know, did you hurt your foot? Have you got a limp? Have you... Yeah, speech impediment. Yeah. You, you know, so there's so many things that you can actually start to really delve in. Yeah, and that's the beauty. It's like you're creating a picture, but that picture's a person. And uh, I feel that, uh, I, I, and on top of that, you know, it's what you know. You get to travel and you get to meet new people, and yeah. you you create things, and these things are timeless. They, you know, sadly some of them last forever, and you hate them. And, you know. <laughs> Some of them are great and the last forever, whatever, but <laughs> they're timeless, you know, they're, they're always there, you know, yeah. you can always access them. So, wow. you know, I, I'm laughing because uh, there was a post yesterday, um, Frank Grillo posted, because he's on his flight, he flew up yesterday uh, up to Winnipeg and he's like minus 23. What was I thinking? They said, right. something like they says, you'll, you'll, you'll fly to nice, you know, beautiful places, you'll meet lovely people. <laughs> You know, actors life, da, 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 you know, I see, you know, and then I was kind of funny. But, um, I saw, um, I went to see Jason Fox, who's one of the DS staff on SES, who dares wins. We saw him right. in Glasgow doing a bit of a tour, doing a storytelling, and he was signed up to do this um, narcotics show that was like the real narcos. So he was uh -huh. like, great, this sounds cool. What is it? They went, you're on the beachfront in Miami for a month in a condo. Do you want to do it? He's like, done, signs it. And then a few weeks later, they phone back, listen, show's changed. Uh, you're going to be going to Colombia. You're going to be going to Mexico. And we're going to get you right in with El Chapo's uh, lieutenant. Uh, so this is the show now. And he's like, you kidding? What happened to Miami in the condo? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's like, you get chucked into the real stuff. Yeah. <laughs> listen, I've shot many times in Miami. Yeah. And it yeah, and it's amazing out here. <laughs> Believe me, he's missed out. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, for you then, I, I'm quite interested, you know, doing this work around the people, psychology, personality, and acting's fascinating because obviously you're, like, you are forming a, a person, forming a personality. Um, but one of the things that's like creeping up that, that we do work in is in this whole idea of like sub-personalities. So it's like, you know, everyone's trying to be authentic, but actually... It's got loads of different motivations going on within them about drives, about, you know, you're, you, we are one person with someone and, and one person with another. And we're kind of like, maybe some of that's all right. Uh, maybe there's different bits of us that interact and show up in different environments, different places. And they, they yeah, kind of gig, gig is to get, yeah, the gig is to get harmony between them and, and a bit of integration. What's, what's it like when you're um, calling up, you know, create a character, how do you access different parts of yourself or think about different experiences you've had and, and bring that in? And does it sometimes go the other way? Do the characters you create sometimes stay with you and pop up well, at family parties? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, a bit, I'm a method actor, so I, I learned method acting, which basically is you become the person mm -hmm. and the, the, the person becomes you and you kind of stay in that way till you're finished. Yes, it actually, it does stay with you a little bit after, you know, and, you know, you, there's so many, I've been talking about, you know, you've got the whole Christian faith thing underneath, underlying here. Jim Caviezel, right? Jim Caviezel, the Passion of Christ. I saw Jim Caviezel, I don't know, about four years, five years after it, six years, maybe six years after it. And he was still talking like he was Jesus. Like... His mannerisms, wow. like this, talk in this. And, you know, maybe it's because, and he was telling, you when, when they tied him up, they actually lightning struck across. I don't know if you know that, the, the, the thing he was tied to. 
you, you get hit with lightning, you get hit oh with so many things went wrong in that movie. He was telling me he got actually caught with one of the whips. Oh. You know, he got lightning. Like, oh. he said, so many things went wrong and he was talking about them. And maybe because that experience, and he has a method actor too, and that experience is, uh, was so overwhelming for, a, for us to maybe partake in or to experience that it probably left long-lasting yeah. no, peace in him that he's probably never going to lose. Right. You look at um, Daniel Day-Lewis as, as hands down best actor in the world. Yeah, no, better than Pacino, better than Anthony Hopkins. Daniel Day-Lewis is the best actor in the world. Pacino does his thing and nobody's better than him at that thing. Yeah. And the same with you know, the Joe Pesci's, they do that and nobody can ever touch them on it. You know, Daniel Day-Lewis can't be a better Joe Pesci. Yeah, himself, but, isn't he? But Daniel Day-Lewis is this spectrum of brilliance. Yeah. And Daniel Day-Lewis, for instance, this is how much of a method actor he is, and I, you know, a lot of people don't really know this, but Daniel Day-Lewis, for instance, did Last of the Mohicans. Oh, he lived in a, a 15th century or 16th century um, village. He would only eat what he hunted. So he said, Dad, I've made some pasta. No, no, no. I'm in character. I'm staying in character. Oh. When he shot my left foot, he never got off his wheelchair. I think he broke two ribs because he was stuck in his wheelchair for so long. And at the end of the day, he would lift him off the wheelchair and lift him up onto a bed or onto a chair oh. or something. That's how dedicated. You know, there's so many stories like that with Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis, when he played gangs in New York, he played the butcher. He went to Italy and did a course on cutting meat. Yeah. And how to cut meat and sharp knives and all this. Like that's how dedicated that man is. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. And you know, granted, a lot of times movies, a lot of movies sometimes you do are they're not the characters aren't that profound, you know, and it's an action movie and you don't really see these pieces, and these pieces are not, you know, it's more about, you know, you do a movie with Bruce Wallace, call a day to die. Yeah. You know, you know there's going to be explosions, you know, yeah. Yeah. guns, fighting, all this kind of stuff. And that's really... Yeah. You, but certain movies, you you get to bring out a character. I think that's why I really admire guys like Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Because guys like Guy Ritchie, they found a kind of halfway thing. Like with movies like Snatch and Lockstock. Not so much King Arthur, because I thought that was not good. But with Lock, like Snatch, he created characters... They're all characters. I mean, Brad Pitt's character, Benicio Del Toro, like they were just Jason Statham, you know, they were all characters, mm -hmm. even Stephen Graham, you know, like they're just mm -hmm. all great characters. And that you're allowed to have that play of the character development and the action. Yeah. And the double crosses and all that stuff. And Brick Top, Brick Top's up there with all the villains of all time, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's such a great job, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> That's not a set of car keys. That was, maybe, I think that was him. That was one That's of the right. best not a set of car keys. <laughs> you mean you lost a fighter? <laughs> you lost gorgeous George. Yeah. <laughs> he lost. It's not a set of car keys, is it? <laughs> I still think then the uh, get that dog off my seats. That's one of the great <laughs> lines of any Guy Ritchie movie. <laughs> and it's like, cup of tea? <laughs> I, I could murder a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> it was you know, and it's, it's just like those scenes, those scenes, like those are things that I would, that I crave to be part of. Yeah. You know, because those are just, you'll never, I mean, even the the, the, the speech about uh, the pig farm. I mean, is that not brilliant? I mean, you you remember that speech just as much as any other speech in a movie, you know. I go through bones like butter. <laughs> you starve, you know. It's just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, stunning. And and he, as my understanding is, Guy Ritchie from watching stuff with Joe Rogan and and reflections even on that is Guy Ritchie kind of lives with an enormous philosophy on life and on character, on storytelling, on entering the narrative arc, and and on that interplay between like walking in with a character but then having the room to create it in the moment and, and live it 
with the kind of combination of the skill the actor as well as the the character just coming out there yeah uh, it's, he's he lets it flow and I've never worked with guy that you know I've never met him I know some folk with Jason Fleming you know I know some folk that work with him yeah and uh, I mean he's he just came out with something unique. He's, he had his own kind of uh, his own kind of method, his own style. Yeah. And then, um, you know, but you know, the same like Tarantino and all that, they all had their own style. Yeah. Like, the thing about Tarantino, it's kind of funny. Like I talked today, I was talking this morning with somebody, and he's like, you know what Tarantino does all the time? He opens a movie. You just hear like a couple of folks talking. Oh, it's not a tight time. I think it's a tight time. You sure? Okay. And then it's robbery. <laughs> you know, and then again for robbery. And he did that. I think Pulp Fiction did it. And then he also did it in Hateful Eight. That's right. When the cowboy's like, are you sure there's no one in there? Yeah, I don't think there's anyone in there. <laughs> How do you know? I don't know. I haven't seen anyone. Okay. Do this? I don't know. What do you think? And it's like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like their own. And that is, you know, it's just... It's essentially him. Yeah, yeah. It's the, I love you, honey bunny. I love you yeah. too. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as, as you're doing the acting then, um, I, I'm interested in your whole life and this kind of bit of how people do what they do and some of the day-to-day rhythm of it. Um, I was, you know, presuming with you going up, you're working with Frank Grillo, it'll be three times a day in the gym and steak twice a day. That's, that's, that's kind of the routine for now, yeah. Yeah, I said, I said to him, I said, I'll see you up there with some pasta and some fino. And he goes, bro, I don't do pasta. I don't eat pasta. <laughs> I'm like, well, you're portioned. <laughs> um, so, you know, how, how do you do, um, you know, what ha- what habits make your life work? And Well, I've got two, two wonderful, amazing kids and a brilliant wife, so I spend most of my time. I'm a very family guy. And I love my family. I love spending time with my family. And then, um, you know, I... I, I uh, I, I like avid supporter of Celtic, and I love, I love, um, I love watching them and supporting them, and um, uh, and you know, and then I have my friends, but here in, in Vegas, so two or three good friends out here, yeah, um, that I tend to see. We'll have lunch, or we'll go for a cup, a cup of coffee, a latte, or something. Yeah, um, like today, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at half past twelve. Yeah. Sushi session. Yeah. <laughs> I know you can eat sushi session after <laughs> just in time for the movie. Aye. And then uh, and then I've got a wee cuppa with my other pal later. Yeah. See you goodbye and that. But I I mean, just normal life. Like yeah. You don't want much. You know, like this is the thing. I spend my most of my time is just additions and and you know, you just leave it kind of leave it set up kind of thing. Like, you know, you've already always got a oh wow. Yeah. I just use this room just for yeah, additions and, so and then always contributing. Yeah, and then phone calls and things like that. That's it. Basically, so like I had to be on set probably because Omicron kind of really put a wrench in everything because everybody got scared again. Aye. But I hadn't been on set since July last year, you know. But now Omicron's finished. It's 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 all go, you know. Yeah, so great. It's good to be back. You know, so something about that, like just normal life that's certainly sounds like a wee bit of the, the scottish life a wee cup of tea in the afternoon that would be all right and wee dram in the evening that keeps you good then. Well, not so much that but <laughs> yeah no we've got a pool here in vegas so the kids are always in the pool yeah um and uh you know the, it's interesting because the, you know, the two-year-old the five-year-old that the, the, the took swimming lessons in, in scotland not that they can swim but you know i'm looking forward to getting them here yeah. So they'll probably come here. I mean, again, everything changes. I'm looking forward to them coming back because I think yeah. with the pool and all that, it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's just normal life. Like you get bored, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's you get a lot of time for self-reflection, yeah. which sometimes is not good. Right. You know, you could be sitting going, Why am I not working? You know, and then people will say, Oh, I can't believe you're working so much. Oh, right. you're not I'm like, oh, really? Like like I'm not working for six. <laughs> I get Omicron put a stop to it, but you know, that was August, September, October, November, December, January, February. Yeah. Nearly seven months I've not worked. Yeah. But other people are going, oh, I've worked in a year. Uh, yeah, but yeah. 
now it's now it's started up again. I mean, the, the irony is, I took this movie in, in Winnipeg, and I wanted to do it because the director created Underworld, and there's always a I love working with Frank, and there's always a scope, and Stephen Dorff's in it as well. So I've not actually worked with Stephen, um, but uh, I I I I um I got offered a job here in Vegas. I did a movie called The Commando with Mickey Rourke, Michael J. White. Michael J. White. It's, it's out, it did really well here and the director said oh he just got hired in Vegas it's with a movie with Terence Howard and Cuba Gooding and he's like and you can you I'm like he knew he says I can't believe you're going to Winnipeg why you got you know you could have worked it out yeah and I'm like I'm just kick myself because <laughs> you sit in the house for six, nearly six and a half months and then Two jobs at the same time. It doesn't, yeah. make, it doesn't make any sense. You know? It's like buses in Glasgow. It's how they go, isn't it? <laughs> ah, you see nothing, and there's about twenty of them. Turn ah, up. Ah. So it's and when you go to that place and you do this sort of self-reflection thing, what what kind of stuff do you keep in the back of the tank to be like, you're all right. This is what you cho- you know. This is your choice. This is what you're committed to. How do you do those kind of hoops? Because I know loads of people they'll get that and work day to day. And actors, as I understand. It might be six, seven times a year you're getting opportunity losing, opportunity losing. Yeah, no, you sharpen your tools. Listen, I've been very fortunate. I must average about five to six jobs a year. Yeah. Which is really good. You know, I've been very fortunate and blessed. So, um, you know, and I always feel like I always land on my feet. So I don't, you know, obviously when Omicron and things like that hit, the industry shuts down because for them to start something and then have to shut it down and then keep everybody on payroll. Because my union, I, there's things where you have to pay in between till you finish it and all that. Yeah. So, like, it's it's just not worth it, you know. If our best friend said, I'm going to shoot, I'm like, no, don't. Just wait till, yeah. Yeah. You know, wait till it's finished kind of thing. Wow. But um, I've always been blessed and I'm, but my wife will tell you otherwise because a lot of times I complain, though. Yeah. <laughs> About minus 23 and <laughs> and um and and a big part of that is it sounds like is is Celtic hey and that whole community everything around um Celtic FC my, my brother he'd he'd seen your work with them and ambassador for them um he, he reminded me I was like oh, I'm excited of chatting this guy Celtic fan he's like Mark just remember uh He's an ambassador, and you're a fringe fan at best. I was like, "Cheers, bro!" <laughs> but my, yeah. like my my kind of background, Celtic really cemented. Like when I was nine or ten, I had a chronic fatigue syndrome or ME, um, which is similar actually to what a long COVID feels like these days. But um, my neighbour was a big big Rangers fan, but he knew a lot of the, the board and the directors at Celtic. So he said, "Look, when you're well enough, you get a window." One Saturday, come with me, we'll go to Celtic Park and I rotate you round. So brilliant. And there was a there was a weekend, must have been 10 or age 10 or 11. And uh, went along with them, got my wee school blazer on, jumped in, lunch with the directors in that space. Exactly. And just before the match started, one of the guys came up and uh, he put a gold medal around me. And uh, it was a European Cup winners medal. And Lovely. he said, uh, you wear this during the game, son, but you give me it back at the end. So it's just been valued at 30000 And it was it was Bertie Alt, who... Uh, oh, Bertie, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. She absolutely blew me away. And Bertie was, a, Bertie was something special. You know, yeah. there's not many people I know like Bertie. Bertie reminded me of my grandfather a lot. Aye. They, they just had something different. Something different about them. Special, special guy. Yeah. Celtic are, Celtic are a huge part of my life, like... You know, I mean, oh God, this is my office, but it's a mess because we've been away. Ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of <laughs> stuff. I don't, know, I don't know what the camera's looking at, but I'm just flip up. Kind yeah, of thing. I'm seeing lots of Celtic logos, Celtic Park. Beautiful. You know, but um, I know they're just, it's a great family. Celtic family is a great, it's a great community. They actually have the convention here in Celtic, Celtic Convention this June in, in Vegas. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, hopefully. Yeah. I'm sure I'll get a job. <laughs> Not doing it though, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's great. And, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to explain. It's just, it just be, becomes part of the family. And when they're 
spoke to Mark and I about becoming ambassadors. We're like, ah, well, this is, you know, it's an honour because, you know, you've got to be careful now what you say and what you do and all that. You've got to represent in a very good light. And I, you know, I hope I do. You know, um, you've got to be careful sometimes what you want to say, you don't say kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, they have such a great foundation. Celtic Foundation is, does so much yeah. for communities. And it's not one of those communities that... Uh, they don't boast about it. Yeah. You know, they, they they basically, they just get on with it and do it. Yeah. And, and they're constantly helping communities out there, you know, with food at Christmas, with, with hardship, you know, immigrants settling in. Like, they're constantly helping um, mental depression, wow. you know, anything. Yeah. Especially during COVID, you know, we, we had a few talks about people reaching out to me saying, you know, I'm, I'm you know, getting really depressed with this and this and that and I can't give any advice I'm not trained I'm not skilled so I would always refer back to the foundation and the foundation say these people here would be are good to talk to but it was always constantly you know yeah wow. um, yeah they were really good and you know and but it's not just you know there's other you see charity workers there all the time yeah you know I mean even the Kano Foundation and the Kano Foundation are helped by Celtic Football Club you know they they help provide the tickets and so that with the kids and yeah. the experience and you know probably twelve thousand kids to Parkhead. Wow. I mean that's a lot of kids, twelve thousand and they take them yeah. to a wee cafe first and then they feed them and then they give them a scarf yeah. and a couple of sweets and this. That's a lot, you know, yeah. and it's the generosity of the, the, the supporters and the club yeah. that help that and they they, they help definitely help uh, yeah. make that happen and make these kids smile. It blew me away that time in, in that um, I meant like Henrik Larson was around the time. He had his leg break injury. So he was just hanging at the back and he, he spent a bit of time with me getting a photo and then Tommy Burns visited him in his closet at the time that he was watching the game and uh, it stuck with me for life. You know, that's it. Yeah. That's so significant. Yeah, no, it's 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 great and it's exciting. It's good when they're winning, you know, because yeah. it helps. <laughs> yeah. it helps. Um, yeah. So you know, what what's the future? Then, love to kind of hear what, what's coming up for you. Um, what are you excited for? And um, yeah, love to hear about that. Um, well, the commando just came out here. Did really well out here. Um, I there's a TV show I did called Salvage Marines. I don't know the names always change. Which I did the ADR for, which is the the recording the voice of yeah pick up lines. I did that maybe a couple of months ago. That's a full season. It's like a sci-fi thing. I'm, I'm excited for that. I did a TV show called Paper Empire, with which Cuba's in and Wesley Snipes is in. And, um, you know, I, I play a Russian mobster in that one kind of thing. So it was different, but um, that's you know that's what took me to Miami all the time. But that's coming out and then. Obviously, a day to die is my is my favourite movie yeah. I've done so far, Brilliant. and and you know that comes out in June in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. And this um, movie that you were you were shooting in Scotland on on our doorstep. Uh, yeah, that's right. Scot yeah. It's not over, is that right? It's not over, yeah. Um, I I don't have a date for that. I know Lionsgate yeah. picked it up for America, so um, I think I think they've finished delivering on it. I think they've because. Uh, once you finish shooting, it takes about nine months for them to finish all their, their editing and their post and their effects and their music and their sound and all the legal delivery stuff that I don't never deal with, but you know I hear about it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that should be coming to because that's about six months ago. And yeah. finished in July, so that's about six six months ago. So that'll be finishing soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know. You just constantly, you know, you've got a few things booked already for this year. So um, I'm trying to actually get something going in Scotland. Yeah. I'm trying to bring a movie to Scotland and I think it's so hard because it was like, oh, I've only got so many days. But then it's like, well, if you travel, it's a day, then the settling's a day, then it's this other side is four days. So I've already lost four days if I come and didn't. It's really difficult, but um, right. I'd like to do another movie in Scotland and try yeah. and bring something to Scotland. 
and in the I mean there's always that thing of in the in the day the settling in there's that's the day for the highlands isn't it for the the hills the drams the the scenery <laughs> people look at that in Hamilton <laughs> <laughs> that's right. well, you get a vodka kind of pint if you're lucky <laughs> <laughs> maybe a pie <laughs> mate well it's it's awesome like I was I was genuinely kind of blown away it was hilarious it was one morning there was some Italian location scouts chatting away. I thought they were tourists doing some like map exercise, but they were obviously location scouting for the movie. And then when the crew showed up, I just got buzzed. I'm like, this is amazing. Hollywood's in town. Um, but really, like really brilliant to see people saying, actually, Scotland's got some unique stuff. There's amazing crews. Oh, that's there's amazing great. work. I mean, I don't know if you've seen some of the there's a couple of photographs. Um but it's beautiful sky. It was pink skies. And I posted it and somebody said to me, you know, here, oh, who, the VFX and I said, I'm like, no, that's what it is. That's real. That yeah. red in the sky, that's a real picture. Because <laughs> it was like one of those, you know, the, the summer pink sky thing. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's stunning. And you're seeing, you know, Edinburgh's become everywhere you go there's a movie being shot Vin Diesel's getting chucked off a bus or the Avengers yeah. are blowing up a train station so it's it's great seeing a bit more coming to Scotland and love what you're doing with it so have you got hopes for what could occur in Scotland in the film business yeah the problem with Scotland is the crew there's not enough crew okay so a lot of people are scared to come to Scotland because if there's something going on all the crew has been vacuumed up in fact the, the movie you're talking about we were on, a lot of folk, they had to bring folk up from Liverpool. Wow, right. Because they don't have any, you know, because there's so many other shows going on that there wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, I, I don't know, I don't know if there's film schools that train people in Scotland or not, I'm sure there is. But, you know, if that's a good career for someone to get into. It really is because now, now it is, 10 years ago, waste your time. Yeah. It's coming out now. Well, mate, Thank you so no much problem. for your time. Where where can people connect with you and follow what you're doing? Um, Instagram, Twitter I use for football. <laughs> Instagram, Instagram, <laughs> Instagram, I'm on every day on Instagram. Yeah, sunsets on Instagram, Twitter for football. I Twitter football. Right. I Instagram is more life um, and, and film and that, but um, Twitter, you don't want to see the obscenities that. I get on Twitter. <laughs> I don't get any Instagram. <laughs> oh, it's the such a pleasure. The dark side of Glasgow, I suppose. <laughs> We've all got the shadow. The shadow of Glasgow is the world needs a bit more of that. There's more to come yeah. of that, I'm sure. Yes, there's <laughs> so many friends that actually are Rangers, Rangers fans and even played for Rangers or something. And, yeah. You know, but uh, fuck, the amount of abuse he gets, like it's, it's horrendous. <laughs> it's a bit of a my wife get really angry once. She got angry at me because I came back from Rome when the when we beat Lazio away, and um, I brought her back. At, it was a somebody somebody gave me it at the game. It was a it was a tricolor with a pope on it, <laughs> and I was like, to my wife, I brought you back some really special from Rome. I don't respect it. I packed a pair of shoes or something and all that. So that I, I put it in a bag as if it was a fancy bag, and I pulled out and there was a flag with a pope. <laughs> She's just holding it, and then. It, Jenny and my wee girl, she's like, I want a picture of it. <laughs> so she jumped in, I posted that picture. We were getting horrendous. I had to get the Scottish Traffic Police involved at that point. Oh gosh, really? Oh, God. You're getting threats? Oh, my kids, my, my kid at the time. Gosh. I'm always like, don't you ever post a picture of her again. Twitter, I'm like, don't you ever. Like, it's, like the, it's like the dark web. Twitter was like the dark web, honestly. <laughs> It's gone. I think it went from the early days of like, oh, this is nice. We can share nice pictures and maybe talk about the current events. Now, the more you click on it and the further you scroll, it just gets darker and darker. Yeah. <laughs> well, mate, thank you so much for your time. So, so good uh, to hear what you're doing. I've appreciated seeing it. I love movies, love Scotland, love America. Um, you know, and amazing hearing about the kind of faith context for it as well. Um, that's cracking so thanks well, for the time it. I always put it on my social media you know Chris you know it's right there yeah. Um, yeah because I feel like you know it, it's a major part of me and I don't try and put it down in his throat you know but there's that passage about denying you know 
you deny me, then I'll deny you kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, there's no denying me. Love that. Jenny, thank you. All the best. Well, thank you so much for joining my conversation with Gianni Capaldi. Check him out on Twitter at OfficialGianni and on Instagram. And of course, check out all the epic movies he's done. You can also check out the brilliant work that's happening at Celtic SC Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us today. I look forward to recording a few more of these and would love to know what you're making of it. But for now, I'll see you later.